Put some trouble in it. Yes, you are now listening to the sounds of Mr. Logical. Into five sports reports as ordered. We are back. The NBA Finals have started. The road team has won. We have a series, folks. So now Denver's going to win it in three instead of two. <laughs> Why everybody out here gambling? What's up with the uptick in gambling? What's going on in the sports world? It's okay for me to gamble. Not that I do that, but these dudes can't do that. I was gambling Min- yesterday. <laughs> Minneapolis. Are there new cooks for hire? Because it sounds like Dalvin might be on his way out. And then the SEC, we know that you're the toughest conference. But that doesn't mean that you get the feast on the butterscotch crippets. So, Mr. Logical, what it do? Yo, just, you know what I mean, another, another episode here. Like I said, appreciate everybody following, subscribing, rating us, giving us feedback. Some people send it directly to my phone, so I'm with it. I think we have some good topics tonight, man. I think we have topics that people probably should talk more about, but I think, you know, somebody got to be a trailblazer, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, LeBron to Dallas. <laughs> Come on, man. It's like people just like, there's stuff we can actually talk about. I saw today Kyrie to Phoenix. I mean, there's tangible conversations you can have around sports. Like, you can have a conversation. Granted, it's just, like I said, it's just a couple of clips. But the Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield clip when they were throwing routes to the tight end, it was like, you're throwing routes to air and they were overthrowing them. I get, I know it. You don't, you know, sometimes you miss, but it was like, it looked bad when you're throwing routes against air. And then I saw, what's the young boy name out of Kentucky? Will Levis. Will Levis. He did a little drill. He, he couldn't turned even, around he couldn't even do and it. And he missed the whole target. Yeah. Um, That's probably tough. Like, I can't, I can't front. And it's probably oh, it's his early tough. practice. It's tough, but you can have a conversation about, is Tennessee making mistakes drafting quarterbacks two years in a row? Like that's a real conversation Yo, versus some made up conversation about where Kyrie is going to get. I remember, to. I remember it above the rim. They kept showing the same highlight of Kyle because he was probably missing all the other shots, so they just kept looping the joint. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, Tennessee, get it together. Yeah, Ray was going to be out of there. <laughs> so, Mister Logical. You went on the record a couple of weeks ago, or actually it was last week, I guess. Let everybody know that the Denver Nuggets was going to pull off this sweep. So do we got a series now? Uh, I'm going to say. Oh, you got to say, yes. say yes. You look like you want to say yes. I got I to gotta say yes, simply because Miami didn't look like a team they don't look like a team that should win a game in the NBA Finals. <laughs> like they, they don't have, they don't have big depth. Who is their key rebounder? They have a bunch of guys who shoot a lot of threes, but those guys don't do much else. It's not like, like the whole that whole three and D guy. Like they don't have Max Struess. He doesn't shoot threes and defend on the wing. Duncan Robinson isn't your spot up shooter. And also, you know, 
two steals a game kind of guy. Yeah, he's out of Bayou. <laughs> yeah, Bam out of Bayou isn't your traditional shot blocker and your 20 point center. Jimmy Butler isn't your quintessential superstar. So nothing about the the makeup of the team on surface level says that they are even an NBA finals team, but yet they came out and they they just came out of the like gangbusters in that fourth quarter. Uh Duncan Robinson had eight points in a row. And he took it to the cup. He had two, three. I think he had a three of foul, three point play, and another layup in like three possessions in a row. I don't think he we we've seen him miss those two wide open threes in game mm-hmm. six. Mm-hmm. You would think that would like kind of bring his confidence down, but it didn't. He doesn't like the moment just doesn't look too big for anybody wearing a heat jersey or heat polo on the sideline. And that in itself, I got to say, listen, I'm all about telling people that I'm always right in the conversation, but I love being wrong because that gives me a new path to think. I think we, we might have like a real series that might be a, either a tough six for Denver because they are the better team. Or it could be, it could legitimately go seven. Okay, Confucius. I mean, granted, yes, Miami, and you're going to, Mike is going to get into the stats because that's like his thing. I'm but like, if I Denver, like, if Denver I like, loses, I like to talk the concepts. If Denver loses, is it a failure? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, I I, I, I hate to surmise somebody's season to failure when you, like I said, you've played over a hundred games in NBA season. You're number one seed. Your best player was second or third MVP voting. Depends on how the points work, worked out. And he was leading MVP candidate. Your coach is kind of risen to the upper echelon of coaches. They have a pretty solid home court advantage. I can't say the season's a failure, but it would look if they go down two one. It could be tough. And then the conversations are going to go sideways. Like, oh, you guys had Jokic in the Hall of Fame last week. Now what do you got? Oh, this shows that MB was a true MVP. I just want the series to be good at this point. Because at first I thought it was going to be a sweep. But watching game two, I was like, I think Miami can do what they did in game two one or two more times in this mm-hmm. series. So first of all, y'all, I apologize in advance. Bear with me. When y'all see my eyes, you're going to know what I'm talking about. I thought it was allergies, but it might be something else. But I got a rescue search going on. Where is Michael Porter Jr.? Three for 17 from three in these two NBA final games. Where is KCP's brain? I watched this guy foul two three-point shooters in the same quarter. And it happened to be the fourth quarter, and they lost by three. Did you see his face on the Cal Lowry one? Yes. What is he? And then they yeah. show the replay. It's like, dog, you jumped into his feet. He didn't extend his feet at all. Yeah. So you remember last week I said something, and you was like, nah. I told you Miami's shooting this historical crazy clip from three. And you were like, they're not shooting that good. You know, so they shot 17 for 35 in game two. 
<laughs> and, 49 and, and a half percent and and i was listening to a show uh i believe it might have been debatable with dominique foxworth and they said that this season in the playoffs miami's shooting a better percentage than from three than the warriors did the two years they had durant you know so maybe not necessarily best of all time or anything but still pretty damn good this was denver's first home loss since march 30th so for those thinking at home, that's before the playoffs. So this was a big deal, you know, but the 2-5 part of me is like, they had to lose at some point at home. You know, they weren't just going to like win for three straight months at home without taking an L anywhere. Denver still hasn't shot. Yeah, that's just the way you think. Yeah, that's just, just the way think. I think. That's just the way I think, way. yeah. There's no yeah. lies behind it. Yeah, Denver, Denver still had a chance at the buzzer to tie it and, and go to overtime. He had so, a good look. It's so a tough look, but yeah. he had a good look. So there's no reason for Denver to be, I guess, doubting themselves or or feeling like, why did we let this team back in? I don't think we're there yet. Mike Malone appropriately called them out for their lack of effort. Because remember, I said that in game one where you were talking about, oh, it's down to 10. Miami's making a run. And I said something along the lines of like, no, Denver's just playing around right now. They kind of did that same thing where they went up 15. And then they just, I don't know if they started smelling themselves or, you know, they were just waiting to go to Miami. But I don't want to not give credit to Miami, but I feel like Denver, there were a couple of plays, even Jokic, where Miami was coming to the basket and Jokic just kind of sidestepped, you know, out of the way. I, I Like I said, I watched this game uh like from from tip to buzzer and the thing that i noticed was that when you bring up michael porter jr and we brought up a stat that i saw the other day that he's played in 231 games and in 87 he doesn't have an assist <laughs> he has to do something different because he has such an advantage at 6'9", 6'10". He, he doesn't make it tough. He doesn't he doesn't make it tough on the defense. It's like, I'm not comparing him to Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons would have an advantage on anyone guarding him because he was running the point. He was on the floor to be the point. So they had, Philly had Embiid and Tobias Harris and like other big bodies on the mm-hmm. floor. So you had to put a you had to have a guy out there to guard Ben that could move. So more likely that guy was six seven. Mm-hmm. Six six and six seven. I'm like, okay, you have an advantage on him. You got to take advantage of it. Michael Porter Jr. is getting open. He's getting the open looks and he's firing every single one of them off. Mm-hmm. So I think Miami's like, well, let's not run at him because he's not gonna pass it. Let's just turn to get the rebound. So he he doesn't like same thing with Aaron Gordon. I don't think Aaron Gordon threatens Miami unless he's going towards the hoop. So they got to get those two guys mm-hmm. to just do a couple of different things mm-hmm. because that way my because Miami was keen on the pick and roll with Jokic and Murray, and they just were jumping out of Murray and they put Jimmy Butler on him and he couldn't get a good shot off. Or maybe sometimes when you're not feeling it, you don't force it. Like, remember Tatum's 51-point game against Philly? Philly, mm-hmm. He was doing, like, he had the terrible game in Philly before, and then he had all the points, and then they won it. And then that game seven, he just was feeling it. He was shooting the ball to the ocean. Mm-hmm. 
he wasn't taking no shots in game seven versus Miami because he wasn't feeling the same way. I felt like Murray was playing that same way. Like, like he was playing in the first few quarters of game two against the Lakers, but then he had the floater go through and then the free throws go through. And then he was automatic. He, and he was on the bench a long time until the fourth. I think he put him back in. Cause I was looking, I think he was on the bench until about eight and a half minutes left, maybe even eight. So he missed a good chunk of the fourth. So by the time he got into the game, they were already down like was like eight or nine for the mm-hmm. most part. Like Denver, Miami got up and they were just basically battling from eight. They get eight to five, then it's back mm-hmm. up to nine. And then KCP with the fouls would get it back up to eight. Well, you know what's so funny Jamal is Jamal Murray sat on the bench a little too long in the fourth. Well, you know what's funny is um we talked about Boston and you said something along the lines of Tatum needs to take this many shots and Brown needs to take this many shots. Jamal Murray only took 15 shots and he hit seven of them. So, you know, it wasn't as if he went three for 15 or something. He just didn't take enough shots because he couldn't because the defense. But I think he was like three for 11. Oh yeah. Yeah. Before, he definitely was yeah, that. Yeah. Before he got back in, in the fourth, right, like I said, he didn't get back going. in until like eight minutes. Right. But they had all like Miami had already made Miami was already in their groove. Right. When he came back in. So he would have to shoot himself into a groove and Miami out of one. And then people were following three point shooters. Right. And, never worked out. and then, and then Aaron Gordon, you know, he took seven shots, made five of them. Maybe he needs to shoot more Porter less at this point. You know, until Porter shows a consistency to knock down shots. Jimmy Butler only went seven for 19. So, you know, it's not as if Jimmy has had that explosion yet either. So Miami's got that one at least potentially in the tuck, you know, waiting for him to have one of his, you know, Hemi Butler moments, old Hemothy, you know. So (laughs) Denver was up 15 in this game. And then when the fourth quarter started, to your point, the first three minutes and 17 seconds of the fourth quarter, Miami went on a 17-5 run, which included us learning that Duncan Robinson has never made a mean mug in his life. Like, I don't know what that was. But but this is what Mike Malone said, you know, going back to my original point about effort. This was his quote. Quote, let's talk about effort. I mean, this is the NBA Finals, and we're talking about effort. That's a huge concern of mine. You guys probably thought I was just making up some storyline after game one when I said we didn't play well. We didn't play well. This is not the preseason. This is not the regular season. This is the NBA Finals, end quote. So so that coach is trying to get through to his team. You haven't accomplished anything yet. You know, you're out here peacocking and hot-dogging while you got this team over here grinding that is not as talented as you. But they know that Miami knows that they have to hit maximum effort. Even if the numbers don't bear it out, even if the shooting numbers don't look good, Miami has to grind. They have to get low defense, creating offense, those type of things. And Denver has to be able and willing to match that intensity. So what I saw, because Jeff Van Gundy was killing Denver for their pick and roll like pick and pop defense and the slip screens. It was like, if you have a shooter setting his pick at the three point line and he's slipping it more than likely, he's going to, the ball's going to him. It's like, he's not setting the screen. So he's like, he's setting it so he can slip and get open. And Mike, like it was one play, Michael Porter jr. This is after 
Mike Malone had called two timeouts in the first quarter, I believe. And then they came out of the timeouts a few minutes later. Michael Porter Jr. was like on the baseline help defense and the ball got kicked out to Struess and he was wide open. No, Gabe Vincent, he's wide open. And then Jeff Van Gundy was like, Michael Malone's going to have a conversation with Michael yeah. Porter Jr. Gabe he Vincent. was nowhere near his guy. He was like, just stay with your guy. Because what happened was they let Struess get – Struess got like four open looks. for. He hit three mm-hmm. out of his first four. But all those four were like considered wide open. They're like mathematically, it's like it's just no defender within five feet when you catch the ball, like you're technically wide open or some some nuanced stat like that. His first four threes were wide open, and he knocked down three of them after he went over 10 in game one. So if you give a, a shooter who was struggling four wide open looks, and like I said, Malone called two timeouts because mm-hmm. Gabe Vincent got two open looks. Yeah. And I don't know how you don't have the effort. Maybe it's just a matter of because when I play, like when I would play basketball for fun, to me, I'm like I'm not a good scorer, I'm not a good shooter. I just was an effort. Like I just would just play hard. And I like playing defense because I think playing good defense on someone frustrates them more and frustrates the team more, especially if the guy is always holding the ball. And I'm like, cool, if you're the point guard, I want to guard you because you want to beat me off the dribble no matter what your skill level Mm -hmm. is. Mine is if I can defend you, get a steal, get an easy layup or bad shot, rebound, run out. I, I think guys like Aaron Gordon, KCP, Michael Porter, they need those kind of runouts because mm-hmm. Jokic is going to get 22 to 25 shots if he so desired. Yeah. Jamal Murray can get 22 shots and he can spend a bunch of time on the bench to still come in and get 22 shots. Mm-hmm. Bruce Brown's not getting 22 shots. Uh, the other Brown who spells his name like Braun, yeah. he's not getting that many shots. Those guys have to get their hands in the passing lane, get out on the runs because I noticed that Jokic will pass the ball to a guy like Jeff Green or Aaron Gordon, just to get them a shot mm-hmm. to get them in the game, a la what like LeBron does or what like Jordan would do early, what Kobe would do. Like Phil Jackson, like, listen, the first three quarters, work the offense, fourth quarter is yours. But Jokic was going into his fourth quarter bag early, and he could only tell he was kind of like only four. And he got three in the first quarter. Yeah. And- I was looking at that stat the whole game because I, I heard him say – a number and I thought it was up to six because I was like cleaning my room at the same time. So I thought he said six. I'm like, okay, cool. So he's getting the ball around. But then his his score popped then the score popped up and he still was scoring points, but he still only had three assists going into the fourth. And I think he got the three in the first. Mm-hmm. And Gabe Benson four for six from three, by the way. So um, you know, lineups, you know, we talked last week and I said, Hey, you gotta throw Kevin and Love in there. Somebody, you know, somebody watching the podcast, man, I'm telling you, you it's out you, there. But, but you know, but, but that was the thing, you know, because he's like, with, if nothing else, he's another big body, you know, not weight wise, but you know, height wise at least, where somebody like Gordon has to look over him to shoot and all that, so it provides a different vantage point for the shot. But also, Kevin Love pulled out that defense on Steph Curry in the finals. He like Michael Porter had a possession where. He just couldn't get past Kevin Love. You know, you can't teach that. Like, Kevin Love is an old dog. Is that dog when he now. was on the baseline? Yeah. 
And yeah. He, yeah. I was when he made the move twice, I was like, you made that same move from the same spot. He looked like me on 2K when the when the play when the uh computer pushes me with their elbow and they don't and you're like running in place. Yeah, like you know, like, it, so Kevin Love and, and when Kevin Love is in that lineup, so the starting lineup that Miami used in game two has a record of 11 and four this season. Because of course Kevin Love came there after the trade deadline buyout and all that stuff like that. So 11 and four is the record when that lineup starts the game. Duncan Robinson with all 10 points of his in the fourth quarter. Miami, game one, we talked about only two foul shots attempted. You know, game two, 18 for 20. They got to get to the line because they got to slow down Denver's momentum, you know, and they can put pressure on Denver's defense, you know. So Jimmy Butler, I just don't know how to explain him. You know, like I want to think that he's a great player. You, but I think Jimmy Butler is what I think Jimmy Butler is just he is just the leader of Grant. I know he was drafted, but I think he's the, the 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 scrappy leader of the undrafted group. Yeah, where he is not your five star. He's just a gamer. He, he's just a gamer. Yeah, and he'll go. He'll Chicks go. Don't even one, know the name of his band. Yeah, he'll go one for ten through the first three quarters. And then somehow get you 13 points in the fourth. Yeah. And it might be eight free throws. You're like, how did this guy get to the line? He's like, okay, all right, I'm gonna turn it on. And I think that's I think that's the makeup of the team. It's just if you had a guy like, okay, Miami, if you put a guy like, let me think, who's like a like if you had Dame Lillard and not Jimmy Butler, I don't know if they get this far, even though I think Dame can get you the points. It's just something about the way Jimmy plays with that group right like he doesn't take 30 shots you know what i mean like i think he he just makes sure that whatever the coaches want and the i think the coaching staff is just you got to give them a pluses across the board it just seems like the coaching staff the players and the scheme just fit i just thought that just logically because that's how I think Denver was going to stick to their script and not succumb to whatever pressure is because their script gets them inside points and outside points from two players that play well together. It's not like when we're talking about the Lakers, people are like, oh, if LeBron can do this and AD can do this, well, they don't work together to get their points, whereas Jamal Murray and Jokic tend to work together to get their points and get everybody involved. But like we said before, do you just let Jokic drop 50 and keep everybody else down? Well, with that, that's when you need Jamal Murray to come back with like 28. So with these games where Jokic is getting 40, like, dog, you got to get 28. Because if he's getting 41, eight, nine rebounds, but only three or four assists, if he's not getting assists to you, then you have to, like, run off the pick and roll. You have to, like, you got to get points to where – Jimmy Butler has to stay near you because if Jokic is cooking and you're cooking, now you can now you can get Michael Porter Jr. more open shots. Now you can get that lob pass over the back to Aaron Gordon because the defense has to adjust to you. But like I said, him not getting back in the game, I was literally watching. I was like, why is he not on the floor? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so and, you, and then start the fourth quarter. So what are you expecting tomorrow night? I think they'll do a lot. I think they'll deliberately go 
through Jokic as the playmaker, not the scorer, for probably the whole first quarter. I think the whole first quarter, they're going to just make sure Jokic is getting the, the someone setting screens on the baseline and getting Jeff Green easy layups, getting Aaron Gordon lobs, getting KCP open shots, getting Michael Porter Jr. Maybe you get him to the rim. Maybe I don't know. Like you, you, you do something different to get him so just he can see the, the ball. Free throw line. Yeah, just get the get get him either getting fouled, going to the hoop, seeing the ball going through, and then go back out and hit your three. But I think they're gonna work. Jokic as a true point guard because it I don't say, I don't want to say he was tired because I don't like I said I don't think these guys get tired because you know like I said they're supreme athletes but you can tell he was working like you could tell he was doing like like many sprints mm-hmm. to get a lot of his a lot of his points and I think it was like a it was like a relief because some of his shots, like the way he shoots, and Jeff Van Gundy said it was like he's like his his shots hit the rim so soft mm-hmm. that they just go in, mm-hmm. and that's probably like the relief when you're running the floor and you get this little awkward floater and it goes in. But then a few times it was like that floater didn't come down; it went like he airballed over the rim or it'd be too hard, and you can see like he couldn't get to the rebound because he was putting a lot of energy to get to that mm-hmm. to get to that shot. But when it would go in, he would get to come back on defense, relax. But when he missed, now he's battling Bam for the rebound, battling Kevin Love for the rebound, and he couldn't get to him. Mm-hmm. And everything, like him going to the hoop that much, isn't like what they do best. Mm-hmm. So there was no one else around the hoop because everyone else is kind of waiting on the kickout pass. So I think they'll go through him, him at the top of the key, making that bounce pass that gets KCP a layup. That gets Aaron Gordon a lob. That gets Jamal Murray a 15-foot jumper. And they'll start the game off. They'll, you know, they'll get 28, 28 to 30 points, 32 points in the first quarter and set the tone. Yeah, I think De- yeah, I think Denver wins tomorrow. I think they're gonna respond to Coach Michael Malone. Not Mike Malone, Michael Malone. He don't like the Mike thing. But uh, but you know, I think they're gonna respond to him because. You know, like Phil Jackson used to do the whole, I'm going to call my team out, but he did it kind of passively, aggressively, where he could be talking about any player, but whoever he was talking about knew he was talking to him. But but Malone is talking to the whole team. And, you know, we saw the videos of Joker yelling at them during the Lakers series and all this. So I think that they're going to respond because, I mean, they've been in this position as a one seed all year long. So, like, they are the better team. Now – Miami is going to be electric tomorrow night. You know, uh, can Bam keep up what he's been doing? I have my doubts about that. Not because he, he gets can't. so many moving screen fouls. He's got. I know. Those are just cheap fouls. He just but, gives them away. But not that he can't do it skill wise. He just doesn't. Like he just has games. Him and Jimmy Butler, they just have these games where they shoot ten shots, or they just they're just kind of there. Like they're not imposing their will on the game. So I think that tomorrow, and we got to see if Tyler Hero is going to play. That's going to be the other thing, you know. And if he does, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Tyler Hero gives you. Well, well, that's what I was about to say. Does he mess up the flow that they've created? We still haven't seen Caleb Martin. You know, he hit the he had a big three the other night, but we haven't seen him have the type of game that he had in the Eastern Conference Finals yet either. 
So pull his socks down. His socks too high. <laughs> so 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 I think we might be in that territory of starting to come back to the main, and the main lets us believe that Denver is the better team. So I'm going with Denver tomorrow night. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything. I think Miami will grind. Miami will keep it close, but I think eventually Denver is just going to be too much. Yeah, like I said, I, I just think I think working it through Jokic. Because I felt like it was a few, like more than a few possessions where in game one and just different games that we've watched Jokic, his decision to, like when they put uh, Zeller on him, he was like backing them down every time. And it was almost like Miami was like, all right, here's this lamb we're going to give you. We're going to put Zeller on you. You're gonna look at it and say, "Oh, I can take this dude to the block," and then they were running two people at him off the weak side, right? To 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 help for help defense, and then other guys weren't knocking down shots. So the yeah. more that they do that, so I think Jokic instead of doing that, if they put Zeller on him, he's just gonna stay at the top of the key. And I can't and imagine stay in frame and be like, "All right, cool, you're gonna stay out here with me. You can't do anything with me if I decide to shoot this three. You can't do anything with me if I decide to take it to the cup." But you really can't do anything if I get this bounce pass to and, KCP right off your right. Yeah, shoulder. I was just yeah. about to say KCP. Like I can't imagine he's going to play that bad again. I'm not even mentioning his bad shooting because that goes without saying. But defensively is where you know he made his name. So you know he can't play defense as badly as he did in game two. He you might know? need to see some shots go through. Like maybe is different. Like. Because if you're out there like, hey, I'm supposed to hit shots, and you're not hitting shots. If you if you hit if you go four for nine from three, it's okay that you give up a couple of dumb fouls. Mm-hmm. You know, not necessarily three point fouls, but like you foul yeah. them out of buy you on a turnaround, or you right. get a a loose ball foul, or you knock the ball out of bounds. Or, you know, but you okay? You gave us twelve points on offense. Um, you're getting good shots. You're stretching their defense. But if you're out there going fucking three for 12, then you can't be out there just giving out free points on the other end. Yeah, I'm looking for uh, I'm looking for Bruce Brown tomorrow, too. You know, I'm looking for Bruce Brown to step up, bring some energy off the bench to match Miami. You know, I think he can be one of those X factors that turns a game just off of the vibes and energy that he brings to the floor. I think I think Lana Rhodes lives in Miami. Mm. I know he's in. I know he's into that. Uh, Ugh. you know, I, I, if, if she don't live, I know some other ones probably live on there. Maybe he needs to have him come visit him at the hotel. You know, maybe you know. Um, but apparently, I need to visit these hotels and these casinos and place some bets because the sports world has been going crazy over the last year or two with gambling scandals, people getting suspended. I don't understand the reason why this is happening now, but. You know, what you think? All right, I'm about to get my Shannon Sharp on. My mom used to tell me, she's like, boy, if you're going to steal, still big, still at least $3 million. <laughs> She was telling me all, anytime we watch a movie with a crime scene in it, she's like, if you're going to steal, baby, still big, still at least $3 million. So these guys out here making 50 and $100 bets and $25 bets, Calvin really got suspended all of the 2022-2023 season, and the reports came out. They they never really 
because we'll get into why the NFL isn't really keen on mentioning all the information they get about these gambling investigations. But according to, to preliminary reports, he only gambled about fifteen hundred bucks. I'm just like, then what's the point? Like, if you're doing it for fun, then bet with your friend that's at the house with you. Yo, dog. I, like me and my dad, when we watch games, sometimes we'll have like some ones, and we're like, all right, I bet you in the next possession, the other that you know the commanders score. We throw a dollar on the floor. So if it's the commanders versus the Panthers and we don't really care about that game, we'll just and throw who, money on the floor. And whoever betting on the commander just don't like money. I mean, a, a field goal counts. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's just a score. Or we're like, all right, I bet there's going to be a turnover. Uh, me and my son will do – like me and my son will ha- I ha- we'll stack some quarters up. I'm like, all right, I bet the next play is going to be a pass. He's like, all right, I think it's going to be a run. We'll make the bet. You know, little stuff like that. And that's fun. But I'm not risking my 3.4, even if your contract's only a few million dollars and after taxes, you get about 1.2 million of that, whatever the case may be. You're risking a million dollars to make 25 and $50 bets. Like in the case of Isaiah Rogers and the same thing with Kevin, really, he probably would have been, he probably would have gotten some money in the offseason, nice little contract if he would have gotten his mental health together with the Falcons when he's taking his break and then come back, he would have been, it would have been Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Calvin Ridley. It would have been like the new Julio combination with the young well, – Mario would have been a quarterback that you maybe move on to Ritter. You could have done, really done some things, but instead you miss out on the whole seasons. And it's like I'm not understanding like the, the, the other players. Now the coach for Alabama, he was doing like – he does what like you would do with a friend. Like if you had a friend that worked at Foot Locker – Yo, dog, just put me some J's to the side. I'll be there. Or you got a friend that work at McDonald's. Like, yo, let me get them 20 nuggets for a dollar. You know, you ask your friends to kind of hook you up. So his friend was like, yo, I'm betting on y'all to lose. He's like, all right, cool. I'm going to put in my, I'm going to put in a reliever as a starter. <laughs> but I think they made, he made a healthy bet based on like, so he, he went for the concept of baby still $3 million. I don't think it's right, but if you're going to do it and it's a legal bet, like his friend made a legal bet. There's, there's no requirement for his friend to take the, the, the coach, the coach doesn't have to take the player. He made a bet Mm -hmm. and, but it's going to happen. We, we talked about Vegas a lot in this podcast. It's a lot of people who like to gamble. Well, according according to, uh, you know, According to according to Paul Meyerberg of USA Today, one of the things that raised the flag on that was a bet that was placed in Ohio because Ohio prohibits anonymous wagers over a thousand dollars. So so that was that raised the flag when the thousand dollar bet came in. See, you if you're gonna do it, you gotta you gotta if you're gonna do it, because people are gonna bet, they're they're gonna gamble. As a player, I just don't understand why you are, especially a professional player, and you're getting paid. Like I don't understand the the, the reason that you would bet a little bit mm-hmm. of money, but a college player is not getting any playing time. I'm not like I'm not justifying or rationalizing the bet, but if you're like I'm just on the team, and you're not setting anything up, you're not faking an injury so as a starter so you don't play. And the third string guy has to play, but it, and it's it's hard to investigate 
Um, but the beauty part of most investigations is that somebody's always willing to cut a deal, so these investigations mm -hmm. won't be tough. And as far as like Alabama with the baseball coach, you're gonna probably have to examine other people's jobs, like the well, AD and these other other upper echelon positions mm -hmm. at the university, the Iowa Iowa State. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. Yep, about the cornlands. You, you, when it's when it's that rampant, it's not a secret. Mm -hmm. If it's if you got a couple of people doing their dirt on the low, then it's good. Like uh, this this comedian Ali Sadiq, he was talking about how you know he used to be a street pharmaceutical sales rep, and he had some money he had he's like he was living with his dad and then he was doing his thing and he stopped but he had some he's like i had fifteen thousand dollars left over but i had to move back in with my mom but he was like i can't just walk around with new stuff he was like you can't walk in the house with a bag of candy we don't have a job you might like how you get that candy so he was like i had to go get a job at kroger's you call it k rogers but i had to get a job at kroger's to make it look like this money i was getting at kroger is what i was spending what I was buying this stuff with. Mm -hmm. So if you have multiple players who are suddenly maybe spending more money or groups of players that weren't hanging out often, like the offensive linemen and the special teams cornerback, now all of a sudden they're always together all the time. And you're hearing stuff because when young people get money, they do young people money stuff. They go to the bar and they buy everybody shots. They rent houses and throw bigger parties. They rent and or buy cars. They they do things that say, look at me, I have this money. Mm -hmm. So if you have that many players, when you only have about 80 players on scholarship, so if you have a, a third of your players, 20 or 30 of your players, just all of a sudden doing different things with money, you had to ignore it. Because college students aren't that like genius. Like I have a 19 year old son well, he's about to be 19 and a 21 year old i don't know if they could would be good enough to hide if they were getting some loose money from around here just because they don't think that people notice that stuff mm -hmm. because they're 19 20 21 years old they don't think about okay now i gotta hide it i gotta hide it, i gotta hide it more they're like oh no i just want to post it to social media that's not the same thing so the coaches ad someone had to pay attention to it someone had to see it so if that's the case, some heads are going to roll or no one's going to talk about it. I mean, it's college baseball. Air. Yeah, it's college baseball, you know. College so. baseball. But the Iowa-Iowa State thing was baseball, football, and basketball. Mm -hmm. So they had, a, they had a little bit of more of a spread of an influence. Yeah, so speaking of baseball and basketball, of course, Pete Rose, you know, the all-time major league hits leader, has been banned for the last 34 years. For betting and gambling he said he bet on his own team to win every day because he believed in them and you know i guess maybe he won more than he lost but this is the all-time hits leader that's probably never going to see the hall of fame you know like regardless of the what he did on the king and the hits leader aren't in the hall of fame, aren't in the hall of fame. yeah baseball is crazy and then but then basketball wise a couple of weeks ago, there was this, or a couple of months ago, there was this story about Michael Beasley and Eric Bledsoe. Now, when I when I saw Michael Beasley in the news, I just knew it was something marijuana related, you know. But 
Not so much. So apparently, you know, over in China and Yao Ming's league at that, you know, in the CBA, he, uh, him and Eric Bledsoe played for the Shanghai Sharks and they had a best of three series against the Jiangsu Dragnos. Hopefully I said that right. Um, they won game one of the best of three. And then they bitched their starters for game two. You know, this game two that would have took them to the next round of the playoffs, which would have became a best of five. You know, so then, of course, they lost game two. And the league said enough. You're disqualified. They disqualified them for the whole season and find both teams 5 million yen. You know, were they just trying to sell more tickets? I don't know what they were trying to do, you know. Uh, but but it's just, I don't know. Like, look, I, I've never I've never considered myself to be a criminal. But if I was going to commit crime and do some point shaving, I'm damn sure not going to do it in China. You know, like like yeah, we saw that's not the place to commit crime. Yeah, yeah. We saw them holding on as to LeVar's boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. They had to get so, Donald Trump to get him out. And then and then with Yao Ming being the president of the league, it's just like, yo, how disrespectful can you be? I guess, you know, but I I don't know why. Like, like I want to know why. I want to examine the why. Why is this happening? Because we just had one, two, three, four, five counting Isaiah Rogers, at least six NFL players that just recently got suspended. And the crazy thing is, like, when the Calvin Ridley suspension was announced, it was in the middle of the Deshaun Watson investigation. Right, right. And it was, like, or right at the, like, right on the tail end of it where he had his decision. And everyone was like, so one guy gets single-digit number of games for potential sexual assault or sexual misconduct or just like just deviant behavior and another guy gets 17 off the rip for gambling for FanDuel. So, so as so just from that aspect of it like you know i don't want to go off on a tangent but i'm throwing another little antidote in here i had a had an airman when i was stationed at hill we had a they called us all in at four o'clock in the morning in december he had just gotten to the base November, December time frame. So like the middle of December, they called us all in. We had to do drug urinalysis. So everyone gets called in. It's probably like my squadron is probably like 350 people, which is a lot for an Air Force squadron. We get called in. Everyone's in the hangar. You go to the bathroom. People watch you pee in a cup. You seal it up. Do all your initials. It went sent off to see if people, you know, test for drugs. Five months later, he's getting kicked out for marijuana so i'm escorting him around the base and i'm like so did you i'm like ask him like you know i want to get to your business but like did you get caught in that uh when we all got called in december he was like no i went home on leave and then i smoked i'm like you went home on leave in january because again like so you were here in december you saw this is your first base we called all of you in, even though they were assigned to like a different training like section. Like, no, they were in FTAX. Like, no, you you're coming in too. So they all came in, did their drug analysis test in December, and then he went home. And I talked to my section. They're like, they say either he smoked 
on his way to the airport coming back from leave, or he smoked <laughs> the entire time he was home in Pennsylvania. And he was like, yeah, I smoked at home. And I was like, are you stupid? And I like sometimes, you know, you just you, it just comes out. I'm like, are you dumb? Like, did you not see this is how we get down? Like, this is your first month at your new like You saw that it could happen. You saw how how like I mean, we it was we people. So we got the call at like three thirty, four o'clock. There was already people set up in the hangar. Senior leadership was set up in the hangar. Our chief, our commander, all our top ranking officials were in the hangar. And then the drug demand reduction people, that's your analysis, they had set up in our conference room. So it was like 15 more people in there. So I'm like, they called in all these people to do it before 3 a.m. They were already set up. We had coolers, a water everywhere. So it was like, when you, these NFL players, you saw what they did to Calvin Ridley in the midst of what happened with Deshaun Watson. So you saw the, the NFL drew their lines in the sand on how they feel about these different types of infractions. And, you know, what, you know, tampering, you lose a draft pick, but you don't lose any players, a little fine. Uh, the Deshaun Watson case was abnormal, but Houston got a haul in that trade. Calvin really got suspended for a year. So all these guys who are getting suspended after that is like, you already know they're into this. They're already, they already see it and there's no way to really hide it. So why are you putting yourself in that position? Like I said, for $50 bets. Yeah. It can't be money because I mean, these dudes are professional athletes. They're well paid. So that's why I'm stuck. Well, the college kids, not so much, but you know, but but for the pros, I'm like, you're already getting millions of dollars. What are you doing? Like, why? Even like I think Isaiah Rogers' contract is like a couple of years, $3.4 million. And I'm not scoffing at the $3.4 million, but it's like if you were making twelve thousand dollar bets that were paying you three to one, four to one, and you're winning 50 grand off these bets. You know, like my man Mattress Mac or something. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like, you know, Mayweather, he, Floyd going there, he'll drop a million dollars on a fight or whatever. On himself. I can get that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I'm not, why are, you, why are you betting $50 on your own team? It just, I don't know, it just, and then on top of that, like, um, y'all need to stop going to Twitter and making your apologies before the investigation is through. Um, because you, even as an NFL player, you are still afforded an awarded hustling backwards. What part of the game is that? Just if they announce your name and somebody's getting suspended, don't go to Twitter and apologize to the fans. The fans don't give a shit. They don't know who you are. They don't give a damn. You gamble. They don't care if you gave up a touchdown on purpose. No one cares. They don't care. Hey, so that's don't my, go out hey. there and ruin because you ruin your appeal. That's my dude. You on ruin Madden, your appeal man. when you admit guilt in the middle of the investigation. Like, my, stop admitting guilt. Stay yeah. off of Twitter. Well, stop going there trying to plead it to the public. The public so, so doesn't care. What I'm trying care. to figure out: Do you have any background? Because you know we talked about how Calvin Ridley got suspended for the season, but then some of these players that just came out in April with the scandal only got six games. Well, a couple of these guys got suspended for the whole season, but they were like four-string guys. Jameson Williams was a top draft pick. He got right. six games. And per like the report that I had read, he was logged into his gambling app. Used at the at facility. The facility. So yeah. I imagine he was using their Wi-Fi or something. 
to <laughs> like you know you, you any anytime you walk into a building that's got wi-fi you're like okay well i'm gonna connect my phone to the wi-fi i'm trying to stream youtube whatever it's case yeah. connected to wi-fi some only fans or something yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you want you want to take advantage of, you know, you want to get the cold tub, you want to get the massage and all this other stuff at the facility, get some food. Might as well abuse the Wi-Fi too. You keep in mind, I don't know how much money he got paid, but he's like maybe he doesn't have files at his crib in Dearborn, Michigan. But so he he was at the facility and you got to look at talent versus tolerance. He's a young player with talent. We want to keep him around. The other guys probably could have gotten the same six games, but I think a couple might have been betting on the team. So do you think they potentially uh, move him Ridley style, or you think he's young enough and coming into the game? He's young enough. He's fast enough. Like I said, it's the the whole talent versus tolerance. Uh, Jimmy Johnson said, what do you do if a four-string running back falls asleep in a meeting like you cut him? What if Emma Smith falls asleep? You nudge him. Like yeah. That's just, yeah, that's what I always say. Steve Kerr comes late to practice. He running laps. Michael Jordan come late to practice. I'm checking to see if anything wrong with his car. Are yeah. the kids okay? How's Juanita? <laughs> was, it, was it traffic? Do you need a helicopter on your way home? Uh so like that's the that's the difference. So when you have those kind of players, but the, like I said, what blows my mind is like, is the benefit just like Jordan, like Jordan would gamble. He was notorious. Like I said, I was watching the Last Dance, and he was notorious for gambling with his teammates on the bus and the planes. We remember the Gilbert Arenas story. That was a rumor has it that was a, a gambling related debt. So gambling is a part of the sport. DraftKings, FanDuel, they paid the NFL like two hundred million dollars to be associated with the league mm. so the league can act as if they're oblivious to right what's going on because you support it like we brought up in our pre-meeting nfl players can't have individual sponsorships with alcohol companies because the image of the league but yet mm. budweiser sponsors and hauser bush and hauser bush mm. so the league can have a deal like, remember that Jay Z video showed me what you got when they introduced the new beer? Yeah, because he brokered the deal. But you can't be a quarterback and get a beer deal. Re- remember though- when, uh, remember when DOD was paying the military to salute the troops and everybody got mad at other people kneeling instead of that? Yeah, they get any free gloves. So, Odell, so, so- Beckham, Odell Beckham came to the commissary and I got to take a picture with him and my son, but. So so what now? Are, so what now? Is is it is it gonna slow down? Are we gonna get more suspensions like by the end of the year or going into next season? Like because because there, there's obviously you would think that with the NFL contracts not being guaranteed and deterrence, you know, I'm gonna suspend you for the season or whatever the case, you know, you would think that some people would get the message and be like, I gotta get better at this or just not do it at all, but I think what's going to happen is there's going to be probably more investigations. They're going to see how deep this well goes and just draw a new line. Like, hey, from this point on, we have a zero tolerance policy on 
these things? Because a lot of times it's a matter of what's the line? Can I, can I, if I'm an NFL player, can I be in a fantasy football league that pays if it's on NFL.com? You know, is there, is there a loophole? Not necessarily a loophole. Am I just, am I doing what I've been doing since college with my friends? You know, I've been in the same fantasy football league with my friends since 2016. Now I'm still in the league. Am I violating the rules? So I think it might be a situation where you're just going to do, they're going to do so many investigations that you can't just be suspending six, seven, eight players per team for this tiny infraction, this infraction, this infraction. I think it's going to be a situation where, Everyone's going to have to come to the table and say, these are the clear cut rules. You can't do this. Because to me, I don't understand why if he wasn't gambling on NFL games, why being at the facility is a negative when the owner gets a cut of the money that the gambling websites give to the league, because that's how they divvy the money up. The players get a little bit of the cut. The owners get a little bit. So why would the facility be off limits to gambling if you're not gambling on football? So like that gray area, like I said, they have some of the best lawyers in the world working for these large corporations like the NFL and Anheuser-Busch and all these people. So they have people drafting these contracts, these rules and NFLPA should have a good, they should have a good, you know, legal team. But when you when you break it down, if this guy's only betting like 20, 20 to 50 bucks per game, I imagine that there is a guy on every team in the NFL that's making that bet. If not multiple guys. Mm-hmm. So it just for 20 and 50 bucks, I just it doesn't seem like he is trying to I don't think he's doing anything to influence the game so that mm-hmm. his dollar bet hits. If he was like I said, if he was betting like twelve to fifteen thousand, then I'm like, okay, maybe then you look further into did he was he on special teams and intentionally hold a guy or jump offside so that the other team got the ball back so that they kept the spread going, you know, things yeah. like that. But if you're betting fifty bucks, you're not gonna do you're not gonna jump off sides or not catch an interception just so you can win seventy five dollars. Yeah, I know it's not uh I know it's not gambling related, but dang, I thought OJ Mayo and Tyreek Evans would have been back by now, you know. But yeah. uh but but as far as the gambling goes, um with the college sports, you know, I don't know how you rid it outside. Like, what do you do? Do you just take somebody's scholarship? Do you do you just kick them out of school like See with the with the college gambling, like notoriously, there's there's a couple of uh documentaries on Netflix that you, that you can watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Arizona basketball, Arizona State player, Arizona State. Uh huh. He was point shaving, and I think there was uh, one with Boston College in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, you had you had another guy that was like I think he was on like heroin and the I watched the 30 for 30 about him. I think he might have been like in the some in some people for money and he would do a couple of things here and there. Uh then you have the course you have Tim Donahue, which for some reason he was the only referee that 
I'm like, that just seems unlikely. Why do I know Scott Foster's record when certain players and teams play? Why was Scott Foster on the phone with Tim Donahue after every single game that Tim Donahue was refing where he was getting paid? Phone oh. records. Yeah, they talked about it, Dr. Phone record. And then and this is and then now you 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 affix that to Scott Foster's somewhat nefarious, notorious kind of persona, mainly with the Chris Paul, but then you have the referee that's being investigated. Um, for his Boston Celtics affiliation, his burner account, yeah, and his burner account. So, yeah, didn't even get it, to ref the finals. I mean, the, you have that little video clip of when Jimmy Butler hit the layup, and then the guy off in the distance was like, Yeah, he was like, Damn, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so it's weird. So, with college players, with college players, it's, it's difficult because you don't know where that money's coming from mm-hmm. because like I've watched, I watched a couple of like, like a episode of vice and they had a guy who lives in Vegas and he was a professional gambler mm-hmm. and he wasn't talking about anything illegal, but he was like, a lot of people don't, he was betting on hockey games. Like that was his thing. He was like, a lot of people don't know hockey and like even he's like even the odds makers in Vegas aren't really good at predicting hockey games because hockey is such a game of momentum. It's not it's not always talent. It just simply mm-hmm. can be momentum. You know, you get a couple of power plays that go the wrong way, and now you got a couple of six on four opportunities where, you know, a team like Boston who wins the most games in the history of the sport they still lose in the first round. So you have he says so the odds makers aren't really good at that. But when you have so many college football games, do you think that the Vegas odds makers are really looking at the Toledo versus Akron game and picking a proper point spread? Do they know the quarterback or, you know, some team like North Texas versus Northern Arizona? Like, the spread six points are like, yeah, we don't know. But <laughs> if you are, if you're, you know, you're in, in this, this environment, it's like you live near North Texas or you live near SMU. And it's like, yo, you guys are supposed to win by 10 today. No, win by six, you know, so Fordham or some random school covers the spread. So you, you'll have like college players that are involved, but the money that they're getting under the table from whomever, that's the part that's going to be tough to investigate. Mm-hmm. I don't Shout think out. people come into NFL players with like, yo, throw this game for $50,000. Like, yo, my check is 32000 every Tuesday, no matter what. So it's like after taxes, I'm, I'm already getting thirty, forty thousand, 40000 just standing on the bench. Like, I don't need you to give me 20000 to go in there and hold someone. It's not, it's not beneficial. But if you're getting zero and it's like, yo, let this punt get blocked because I'm betting mm-hmm. ten thousand dollars that the punt's gonna get blocked. Cool. And, and, sh- through. and since you brought up hockey, you know, shout out to the Vegas Knights with the 2-0 lead in the Stanley Cup finals. You know, sounds like the Oakland A's got a little hiccup going on that we expect to get worked out. But yeah, you somebody's, know, so, so, somebody's gonna get a mystery bag, a mystery briefcase. So get that squared away. Yeah, so so and I think that was the thing. So, like, I think that's the thing is that we haven't had a raider yet you know, um, get implicated in any of this. We haven't had a player at UNLV 
get implicated in any of this. And I would imagine that that's why it took so long to get sports into Vegas is because people feared that this type of thing would happen with temptation and I mean, hell paradise, right? You know, yo, that it is, eating. yo, it's, it, it's happening. It's it happening. It has to be happening. I don't know how you stop it though. It's cause I mean, every, the we I was talking about Vegas at work the other day and I was telling them that like, I have a friend out there. That's the connect. You know, they make a phone call. They know Julian that works at this club and he can get us a bottle if we agree to buy another one. And all right, cool, we agree to that. And now you can look like a star, Mm -hmm. you know, and all you need, like all we needed was one person to know another person. And we had a thousand bucks to spend on bottle service. And we got a couple bottles VIP section right by the DJ. It was dope. Imagine if you are a star athlete. You're going to meet that person, this other person. Now you're going to meet the person that gets you free bottle service at Dre's where T.I.'s performing at 2 a.m. We're going to give you this section. That section, just having a section alone comes with a certain notoriety, whatever, you know, whatever your flavor is as far as like your whoever you're attracted to, you'll attract that. So gambling, (coughs) I mean, gambling is real, but I think they're going to have to. <clears throat> Excuse me. Like I said, they'll, they'll they'll figure out a way to they'll look at all of it and they'll see how how deep it goes, and they'll say, you know what? From here on out, don't do it because it could be bad. <laughs> From here on out, where's Dalvin Cook going to be? Because word on the street is Minnesota doesn't want to give him the ten point four million, and he's a fourteen million dollar cap hit. You know, there was rumors that back in March, the Dolphins were interested in trying to trade for Dalvin Cook, and obviously that fell through. So is Dalvin Cook's days numbered in Minnesota? Probably. Um, I think it's a collective of how we've created this narrative, another word I know you love, that the running back isn't important and they're expendable. And it's it's so dismissive. It's and it's and it, it's to me. If I was a running back, and I'm looking at the NFL NFLPA, I'm like, yo, what are y'all doing? Like realistically, my safety and my security, they're just being dangled. Yeah. They, when it's time, when I do my job effectively and efficiently. Pro Bowl level, top running back level, six, seven, eight in the you know in the league in rushing yards every year. When it's time for me to get paid, or I ask for a pay raise of any 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 kind of money, I'm immediately traded. Saquon Barkley didn't get a guaranteed. Just let's make a deal. Like he is the Giants. They probably sell more Saquon jerseys. Maybe Daniel Jones is coming on the come up, but they probably sell way more 26 jerseys. People come to see him play. He's one of the best young talents in the league, and they don't want to pay him. Austin Eckler has like probably top three or four touchdowns over the last like three or four years. And they he basically threatened to get, you know, he threatened I wanted to trade. And then he essentially caved for like two million dollars in the sentence. Meanwhile, 
Jalen Hurts got $250 million. Deshaun Watson got $220-something million. Russell Wilson got $260. Josh Allen got $260. All these quarterbacks, all these people who rely on me as a running back, I'm speaking, you know, as, as for the running backs, and, like, none of them are getting paid, and they're just being cast off. They're getting their contracts just essentially, like, null and void, just getting cut, and it's like you – the NFLPA is going to have to, like, say, you know what? Offensive linemen are getting paid. Defensive linemen are getting paid. Corners are getting paid. All these wide receivers are getting paid. Even safeties are getting big money. Line, outside linebackers shut it down. They're getting paid. Only ones not getting paid are kickers, punters, and running backs. And the kickers and punters aren't putting their bodies on the line. And they're important, but they're not putting their bodies on the line and then being cast away like, oh, your leg's no good now when it's time to get paid, whereas the running back is. And for Cook, just just cut me. I think there should be a provision that, like, listen, you can write off the salary cap money. If you're going to cut a running back when they still have money on their contract, you got to pay them because you're you're literally hurting this man's body for this many years and then sending them away with no money that you put in a contract to give them. But now so you're like, ah, I don't feel like it. So they, they're going to have to put like a special running back provision. If, if I'm, if I'm the NFLPA, I'm willing to, I won't say go on strike. Cause I don't think it's, but I'm, I'm willing to not come to the table unless that is a guarantee. You know, Minnesota gave Alexander Madison $6.5 million over two years. You know, so that's your replacement. He's been the backup for a few seasons now. You got him on the cheap, you know, so why invest the money in that position? Maybe Dalvin Cook has taken enough hits. I know he's had a few injuries throughout his career. You know, maybe it's just that time. In their eyes, it's just that time. You know, um, like I said, there were trade rumors going on for quite some time. Miami was the closest team. I've seen a lot of outlets trying to, you know, you know, the Lakers thing. They're trying to push him to Dallas, you know. Um, so I was trying to think of where, like Dalvin Cook, if he does get released, where should he go? Because, I mean, remember DeAndre Hopkins is still out there too. But, uh, but where, if Dalvin Cook does – get released by Minnesota. Adam Schefter reported, I believe it was Saturday, that he's pretty much cut. You know, it's just paperwork and all that kind of stuff like that waiting to happen. So so if so if I turn on TV in September, where might I see Dalvin Cook? Well his brother plays in Buffalo. So that's realistic because his brother plays there. I can see that being the case. I'm not sure what their running back room looks like. I know last year they had Naeem Hines, mm-hmm. they had Singletary, and they had please, James Cook. They traded um, Moss. They yeah, traded Zach Moss. Zach, Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. So they didn't really run the ball much, like with, you know, deliberate handoffs to hey, the running back. Style. You know, like just, hey, like we're going to run this stretch to the left, to the right, so forth and so on. They didn't do a lot of that because they had Josh Allen running the ball a lot. Um, I think Miami is probably a good thing. A lot of professional athletes, NBA, NFL, (laughs) maybe a little MLB, a lot of them live in Miami 
during the season and I mean, obviously the off season, but like even during the season, a lot of players who live, who play in like Dallas, some of them even still live in Miami. That's why they have so many of those sky rise apartments because it's just, they keep building them and athletes just keep filling them up. It's something about Miami, like Odell Beckham, when they, the, after the giants game, they flew down a private jet for new years when they flew down to Miami to hang out with like Trey songs and some other players. I mean, some other people stay away from him. Yeah. But it's like, they were on a boat with like Thames with the fur on the inside. Like they yeah. literally win. They were literally in New York. Remember that was a narrative. Like they haven't won a playoff game since, or like, you know, they're yeah. like, they're like two and six. <laughs> they were like, Oh my God. I'm like, they were off. They're 22 year olds, 23, 24 year old dudes, and they were off and they had a private jet. They can go hang out with an R&B star on a boat in Miami for New Year's. It's a four hour flight to Miami from New York City. Like, calm down. Like, it's not like they went to, like in like Copenhagen Sweden. or something. <laughs> yeah, like they're in Amsterdam for three days and they, they took a private jet from New York to Miami. Like that that that's like a rotation. But I think Miami, I mean, it makes sense football wise. Um I think it makes sense. I mean, if you're a running back and you have and you want to save yourself, you have Waddle. And Tyree Kill out there running routes. So the defense has respected. You have a an offensive innovator and Mike McDaniel. Probably get you the ball in space. Delvin Cook is one of those guys that was tough to bring down. People didn't you didn't really get a lot of good shots on him. And he's a big back, you know, shout out to Florida State. So I think he wants to go probably somewhere in Florida. I definitely would wouldn't mind getting out of Minnesota. I just don't know. I don't know in recent years, I can't think of the top of my head of a running back leaving one team and getting anywhere near the money that was essentially taken off the table because he got cut with the new team. Like, I don't know if he goes to Miami and gets 24 million over the next two years or even 24 million over the next three years. I I don't know if he gets that deal. If he can't get a deal like that, That'd be great, but like I said, Saquon Barkley was up for his money. He had franchise, and his franchise tag, like I said, is the top, the top, or the average of the top three at your position, and he's getting like ten million. Well, I mean, Minnesota trying to, I guess, rebuild is probably the worst kept secret in the league, you know, because there were the rumors about Kirk Cousins for Trey Lance. You know, now you got this. So Minnesota's obviously looking to go in a different direction anyway. And, you know, um, I think I got my eyes on New Orleans, depending on what happens with Alvin Kamara. You know, there's the assault uh, charges from Vegas that still need to be worked out. Is he going to get suspended? Is he going to go to jail? I mean, I doubt he goes to jail, but, you know, you have to consider all options. Tampa Bay, maybe. And no, I'm not picking on the Falcons, you know. Uh, you know, but they not got worry about them. you know, Chase Edmonds and Rashard White are there running back. So maybe, you know, that's a good look from But you do know, you want to go from a team that cut you to start a rebuild to go to a team that's rebuilding? No, you, but you but have you, options. No, but at this stage, going off of everything you said, I'm probably going where the most money is. Who's willing to pay the money? 
Because remember, like the NFL, they Tampa say they doesn't average, run the ball though. That the average NFL career is just over three years, you know. So he's already been Above successful that. as far as that goes. So now this is probably his last chance at a at a. I, I don't want to say significant, but this is his last chance to get a the biggest payday possible for him. Yeah, so, that, so, the, the big paydays he's probably going to get, like realistically, it might be two years, fourteen million. Yeah, uh, it'll be Chargers, fifteen million. They, I mean, they got Eckler, and I they know, don't really run. They don't really run the ball. Like Eckler only they, had. Well, they got a new offensive coordinator rushing. now. They got a new offensive coordinator they, now. So. Yeah, but Kellen Moore isn't really. Think about the think. Give me the 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 play package for Dallas. That made you think, like, wow, this team's really maximizing their <laughs> offensive talent. I like I said, we, we talked about gambling. I had a I had a parlay, it was a four-leg parlay, a simple parlay. I needed Zeke to get eleven essentially twelve. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. He got two. I think he got did he get nine yards? I think he had like two like, yeah. two catches, like nine it yards. Fell just short, yep. But this is what Cooper Rush at QB. So you mean to tell me you don't have a progression of where literally you just, you know, hey, if, if this isn't there, this isn't there, just check it down to the running back. Like right. they don't have that. So Kellen Moore with the same, essentially you can say the talent level in Dallas as far as your skill positions with Gallup, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, Dak, uh, hey, don't forget Brandon Collar. No, no, no. I'm talking about last year. I was talking about last year. Okay, okay. Compared to what they, you know, what they're going to have in Los Angeles this year is about the same. And his offensive scheme was just blah. So I don't, I don't. Yes, he Zeke got like 12 touchdowns. You know, in that two, you know, the Austin Eckler, you know. Delvin Cook thing could be Tony Pollard, Zeke Elliott. But the reason Zeke got those touchdowns is because Jerry was paying Zeke a bunch of money and mm-hmm. Pollard would get him down to the five. And then Zeke would just run three times for a yard and a half or, <laughs> you know, to his two yard average. And then he would just get in the end zone on third down. Yeah, he's still so, not signed yet, by the way. He, yeah, he won't get signed. At he all? He won't get. Like, 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 wait for injury season. Injury season, but even with the injuries, it's like I can go get, like you said, Delvin Cook ends up in Tampa Bay, and you have an injury in Houston. You can go get one of those third string guys from Tampa Bay that's been working out with the team since March. Mm-hmm. That's been getting nutrition. Had you know he had weight mandates, he had yeah. workout mandates, trying to make a name for themselves. You know, and they've been working hard versus yeah. a guy who's sitting at home. When if you look at was it thirty two NFL teams, we're gonna go with four to five running backs per team. That's one hundred and fifty dudes at least, minus the starters. That gives me one hundred and fifteen, hundred twenty guys that are on a team right now. Actively working out. I, I don't need to call Zeke who's and it looks working like, out maybe with the trainer on a beach in LA. And it looks like Joe Mixon is gonna stay in Cincinnati after all. Because you, like like I said, these running backs, they are 
being disrespected, but they don't just grow on trees. It's not like you can just make every some people are special. Like these guys are NFL running backs. The narrative that you can just go pluck another guy off the street and he can get you what Derrick Henry got you. Like, like this doesn't right. make any sense. It's all Mike or, Shanahan's fault. You know, or Landis Gary <laughs> and then CJ oh, yeah, Anderson. Yeah. CJ Anderson. Uh, I mean, but Priest Holmes ran for a bunch of yards. Jamal Anderson for the Falcons, you know, ran us to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Bulls and and uh, Baltimore used to run for a lot of yards. Yeah, Denver did, you know, set the standard with that zone running scheme. But now the linebackers flow side to side the same way. So that's why you have a lot of teams looking for mobile quarterbacks to add that extra element so mm-hmm. they can get the running back open because you can't just keep giving the ball to McCaffrey with like a right. statue back there. Like Peyton Manning back there is not a threat to run. So right. I'm going to just right. – I'm glad I won't load the box because he can pass, but I don't have anyone spying Peyton Manning at mm-hmm. all. I mean, Grant, yeah. he has a couple of touchdowns in his career because of it, the play action against Dallas, but it's not common. Yeah, and as far as Dallas, I can't see Dallas doing it. You know, I know that's the team that everybody – that I've been seeing in all these articles, that's the team that – everybody's been kind of pushing the Dalvin Cook thing too, but I think that's just more of a want Dallas to – Because people want to talk about Dallas. Right, exactly. the same thing about in the NBA, everybody trying to – like I saw saw something in the group. It had like five elite point guards talking about which one would fit best on the Lakers. I'm like, how about those five dudes are on other teams? Yeah, how about about Trey Young to San Antonio? How about that? (laughs) <laughs> you know, crazier things that have happened. But, but yeah, like yeah. I said, with, with Cook, I mean, you can maybe, I don't know, I don't think Saquon signed his tender yet. I don't know if he signed his franchise tag paperwork yet. So maybe if he wants to, you know, come to the Big Apple and play some, some football, granted, the stadium, I know the stadium's in Jersey, but it's still the New York Giants. Uh, but I don't I don't know who I don't know who's gonna pay. I don't know what if he can hold out for the or price what, yeah, what's his market he can get. Right. I don't know if he can say, hey, I want 12 million a year, considering that the team is gonna cut him especially and go with, with the, his his backup for six million. Yeah, especially with his injury history. Yeah, just so especially he has like soft tissue injuries, a lot of hamstring and stuff like that. You and he runs hard. Tissue. Yeah, I don't know. Yo, I, I, swear heard it. Could, I swear we could make a mix off of you saying soft tissue. I don't know why I've been, I don't know why I've said it this much, but like I said, I don't really <laughs> I think when we just when you get into sports and you and you talk and you're talking this way, it's like you hear these words, some of these key words, and you just it's hilarious. Yeah. But but yeah, like I think I think that um he would be a good pickup for people, but like I said, I just don't know what the market is right now because with the devaluation of the running backs i mean even uh the name is escaping me right now uh philly's running back miles sanders um even with what he contributed to philly's offense just as a threat he still didn't necessarily break the bank when he went to carolina you know and like they're gonna the the nflpa realistically is gonna have to sit down and come up with a, a provision of like a minimum wage <laughs> line for running backs after is like because the because the league is using the number 
they're using the, I think it's 300 touches or 400 touches. Like if, if a running back has 400 touches or 400 carry, 300, like 300 carries or something like that in the season, the following season, there's a drop off. Uh-huh. So if it's, if he has a 300 carry season and then the next season, like every player, you're, you're going to get injured. So he misses a couple of games and then he's up for a contract. They use that line like, oh, well, you had DeMarco Murray. Remember he had yeah. that, yeah, had that big the year, big 1,800 year. Yeah. yards. And then they were like, ah, but he had like 399 touches. Al- so Alfred Morris. Too you many know. touches. And they're and like, oh, like when, he gave uh, me the ball. Remember when Herm Edwards tried to kill Larry Johnson? Oh, like, he just kept giving him the ball? Yeah, just kept giving him the ball. Like, you know what I mean? This dude, like, because running backs already take a lot of punishment because, you know, they block as well, you know, on top of the rushing and catching, you know, so they, they get brutalized. You know, They get so. hit every play, and then everyone that hits them can land on them every single play. And, they, and yeah, they're, they don't, they're not protected like the quarterback. And they're running through defensive tackles. So you got the defensive tackle and the linebacker hitting you after you ran six or seven yards. And then they both land on top of you. Right. And you got to get back up and do it again. Hey, man. Ain't nothing wrong with a little butterscotch cricket. Like, I like the strawberry ones myself. But, you know, nothing's wrong with a butterscotch cricket. Yeah, I'm telling you that. Yeah. My dad mailed me some of those when I was in Iraq because our chief was from Philly. Yeah. I I gave him a box. Yo, we could do no wrong for five whole months. Yes. Yes, we can sleep. We can do whatever. I gave I'm him that box. I'm about to get box. on Google after he, this show. He hugged the box like this. He was like, "Oh, I haven't seen these in so long." Because he was stationed in Spain, all of them. So he's stationed yeah. in Germany. So yeah, I like chief. So, I got something for you. All right, so you ready? Yeah. So this is this is what I promised you. I was going to tell you. I was going to hold out. You know, saying so I don't want to wait no more. <laughs> let's hear. Let's hear. All right. So this, so this is from Brett McMurphy. You know, excellent, and I mean excellent college football pundit. Um, He got this note from Scott Dorcherman. So in college football this season, the teams that are going to play at least 10 Power 5 opponents, so 12-game season, so there are teams that are going to play at least 10 Power 5 opponents. So obviously that includes your conference and everything as well. So the Big Ten has 14 teams. 13 of them are going to play at least 10 Power 5 schools. The Big 12 has 14 schools. 11 of those teams are going to play at least 10 Power 5 schools. The ACC, 10 out of 15. And then you have the Southeastern Conference. Two out of 14. And that be Florida and South Carolina. Those are the two out of the 14 of the SEC. So I say that to say the SEC had their uh, meetings Last week, and one hold on, of the hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's 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 chew on that for a minute. Okay, okay. So, you said the Big 12, 11 of their teams are going to play 10 Power Five schools. Yes. So that includes their own conference and their non-conference games. Yes. Yes. And the SEC only has two teams. Two. Yes. The Big Ten has so 13. including including the. 18 that they're playing from their own conference. Yes. They're not playing two of uh, 12 of the teams are not playing two other power five right. teams at all. Yep. And the argument is we're the best and the SEC is 
the ultimate grind and meat grinder. So why should we, which it makes sense, you know, to some degree, but at the same time, like do something for the fans, man, bring Notre Dame in there or something, or you ain't even got to bring anybody like Michigan or somebody like, you know, I saw Tennessee's playing Virginia, for example, you know, like Alabama has both middle Tennessee state and Chattanooga, like Tennessee beat them last year. They're so upset about it. They're going to pick on the whole state. You know, like and we're gonna beat your homies up. Yeah, we're gonna beat your homies up, your little brothers up. So so here's this real quick as well. So this is week one of the college football season, you know, uh SEC style. So Missouri, South Dakota, Kentucky, Ball State, Ole Miss, Mercer, Auburn, UMass, Arkansas, Western Carolina, Mississippi State, Southeast Louisiana. Georgia, UT Martin, Texas A&M, New Mexico, Vanderbilt, Alabama A&M, Alabama, Middle Tennessee State. And then you got North Carolina and South Carolina hooking it up. But then you got my guys, you know, rematch Seminoles against LSU, you know, so like props to LSU. But then real quick, before rivalry week, we know that the SEC, you know, gets into their cupcake bag and gets some ho-hos before rivalry week. So, Arkansas, this is November 18th, Arkansas, FIU, Auburn, New Mexico State, Ole Miss, Louisiana, Monroe, Alabama, Chattanooga, Texas A&M, Abilene, Christian. So, I say that to say, you're the best. And to be the man, woo, you got to beat the man, you know. But at the same time, it's kind of like, why you don't want to give us the games? Like, why, why, why you don't want to go have a home-and-home home with Ohio State? Now, props to Alabama. They're not playing 10 Power 5 teams, but they are going – or they went to Texas this past season, and they got Texas coming into Tuscaloosa this year. So, so they are at least doing that. And I'm not saying that your schedule has to include Texas and USC. But you can play Washington State versus playing Chattanooga. You know, you could play Northwestern versus playing Middle Tennessee State. I hear you. And, uh, like, we talked about this in our pre-meeting. Mike is a fan of sport. He's not just somebody who talks it because he just likes to talk about sports. Like, Mike is a legit fan. We've been having this conversation for years about the non-conference games uh, he has a the, the crazy stat with Florida having planned a non. They haven't played game. a non-conference game outside of the state of Florida besides a neutral site. So a true road game since 1991 when they lost to Syracuse. Now, granted, that's going to end this year because they're going to Salt Lake City. So that's going to end this year. But that's 32 years that they got away with this. Like and they didn't. They didn't go to Iowa State and play a, yeah. a non-conference and, road game or something, and, or something along those lines. And all the bowl games are basically home games for the better teams as well. You know, Sugar Bowl in Louisiana – or I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, in Louisiana. You know, uh, Chick-fil-A, Peach Bowl down in Atlanta. In Atlanta in you know, Georgia you got the Bowl. Outback, Capital One, all that stuff down in Florida. So, so you're the best. Nobody's disputing that. But having all these games in these situations, I mean, I don't know what would happen if you played Ohio State in Chicago. Like the playoff game this year, Ohio State and Georgia was in Atlanta. Like, but in the SEC, so so the reason that this came up 
is because the SEC was trying to decide between playing eight conference games or nine conference games because the SEC and the ACC are the only two Power Five conferences that play eight games versus nine. So the SEC has Oklahoma and Texas coming in next year. So they agreed that this season they'll stay at eight and then we'll see what happens in the future. Okay, so when you hear something like we'll see, it's normally predicated on something they're projecting that could potentially hurt their case or bolster their case. So this is a part where I come through with the other information. He might come through as an angry fan because he wants the matchups. And I'm going to tell him why he's like, well, get the matchup. Oh, because I know why. Football, <laughs> football playoffs. Just participating in the semifinal game, your school gets $6 million. So those four, four teams, they split $24 million. And then the college football playoffs in general, just those four teams, is like a $450 million to the NCAA to, to pay it out to those conferences. Right. Once they go to 12 teams, it's going to be a split of $1.9 billion. Billion. $1.9 billion. Because you're going to, like, I don't know how they're going to break it down. I don't know if they're going to go one through 12. I don't know if one through four is going to get a buy. But you're yes, gonna get one through four is gonna get a buy, yes. So then that gives you five and twelve, six yep. and eleven, just like the NCAA but, tournament. Yep. Yeah. So that's gonna give you multiple games, and the those games are gonna be at home stadiums, like the like the home field advantage. Right. So right. Michigan right. at the big house if they're five, and they're playing Tennessee at twelve, and then you keep in mind if you have two or three SEC. Schools in which we're projecting, I'm projecting you're gonna get you're gonna have three in mm-hmm. probably every year. Mm-hmm. You can go ahead and you go ahead and scratch off three spots for, and then SEC. they're gonna win the national titles again, and everybody's gonna say, "See, told you." And and that's what's gonna happen. Like I I, I can the SEC in the conversation I had with you was like, you know, like I like the Air Force stories. You meet a lot of people from a lot of different parts of the country. Uh-huh. So you meet people from. Baltimore, you meet people from Dallas, you meet people from Florida, and people are from these tough cities, you know, guys from Brooklyn, guys are from LA, and they show up to Air Force functions or whatever, and they have this reputation like, oh, I'm from here, I'm tough, mm-hmm. until you test them, and then you find out, no, you, you're you just from LA, you're no more tough than the dude from Iowa that slapped you at the bar in front of your girl. And sometimes that happens to the SEC. Like they'll go play, like they'll go all year and they'll play their eight games. And then you have the creme to the creme LSU with Joe Burrow's team. No doubt about it. They could be anybody in America, Georgia for the last couple of years. If that, I mean, granted, if the kick is online, then they lose Ohio state, but Ohio state had NFL players all across offense, the number two overall pick, and then a projected number two overall pick at wide receiver. that got injured. So they just had talent all across the board. So lose Ohio State potentially beating Georgia is not that big a deal. Right. But then you'll right. get a game like Auburn loses to Oregon. You'll get a game Mississippi State loses a bowl game or something to, you know, Washington State. Just like those games also happen. We only see Alabama just constantly going eleven and one or ten and two or twelve and zero or thirteen and zero. It depends if they play in the. SEC championship game or not. So we see those outcomes. And it's normally your top two teams, your Alabama, Georgia, they're one, two, 
and then LSU maybe skyrockets in there. Or LSU's the number one team, and then it's Alabama, Georgia. Mm-hmm. But that's pretty much your, your your change off. Those three teams are interchangeable. And every few years you get a run where Cam Newton and Auburn, they are the number one team in the SEC. But for the most part, you're gonna get a bunch of LSU, Alabama, Georgia, and then everybody else is kind of like riding the success coattails of those three programs. Right. And, and, and that's why, and I think that's part of the reason why they don't play those games early because, well, 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 even in their conference, though, like, like, so we've been, well, the SEC has been fortunate that Alabama and Georgia have been on this collision course, you know, because they haven't played in the regular season against each other since 2015. And, you know, and before that, it was back in like 2009. You got AM who got in the conference in 2012. They played Georgia one time, it's 2023 now. They never even went to Georgia. Georgia came to College Station. AM never went to Athens. You know, so like you got this. So that's why I wanted nine games was to see even with because the SEC fans, you know, they say we play in the toughest conference every year. And, and I'm like, yeah, because not trying to take away from Georgia, you know, but they're in a division with Vanderbilt, Kentucky, South Carolina, who's good, you know. Once every five years, sporadically, yeah. And most like, of the teams are good sporadically. Yeah, so for the most part, they are the top. The top two, like this argument we had before, the top two or three SEC schools are among the, the top yeah. twelve in the country. No well, matter well, just how like, you, just like, just like everybody, everybody banged on Cincinnati because Alabama beat them in the playoff game, twenty-seven to six. It was probably worse than that. You know, but but Alabama yeah. ran the ball a lot, you know, because they could. And they said, see, I told you Cincinnati didn't belong. But in the same season, they beat Mississippi State 49 to 9. You know what I mean? So, like, don't sit up here and tell me that you're running through murderer's row because you played Arkansas and then you played 5 and 7 Auburn the next week. See, what happens is, like, you and I, we, I think we had this conversation at the beginning of last year. We talked about because we were talking about how they're going to get, because we were talking about when it, when they announced that they're going to go to 12 teams. <clears throat> and this is something that they did when Cincinnati made it, when the Cincinnati went undefeated and they ended up being there. So this is a conversation we had made like before last season. They will have Mississippi State at 6-2. and two. They'll have them at 16. But Houston at seven and one, they'll have at 23. So when Cincinnati has to play Houston, it's like, oh, Cincinnati beat a, tw- a team that was ranked 23. And then they fell out. out. And then, then now they're out of the top 25. But when Alabama beats Mississippi State, but it's a close game, they'll go from 16 to like 22. So Alabama will have this many wins over ranked teams because then the following week Mississippi State will also play Georgia. Yeah, and so then they do the Georgia gets a Mississippi State team that's six and three that just got beat badly the week before by Alabama, and it's a ranked and then win. They'll get a ranked win. Meanwhile, Houston at seven and two isn't ranked, so now Cincinnati only has oh they beat them when they were ranked, but then. Houston can't get back in the top 25. Right. They can't get up. And that's what 20. they do. And that's what the SEC does. They say they were ranked at the time that we played them. But you're not factoring in that one of those wins was against UT Martin. One of those wins was against, 
you know, uh, Vanderbilt. One of those wins was against Middle Tennessee. And then they were 5-0. and So, yeah, they beat Auburn here. And then, like, you know, they beat South Carolina. So, therefore, they're a good team. Yeah. But, like I said, you'll play Mercer. Then you'll play – because, like, Auburn's constantly changing our coaches, firing coaches. They don't get the top recruits. They're losing their quarterbacks. They bring in another quarterback. So, like, all these teams are struggling to keep their talent, keep their coaches. Yeah. And – so then you get a big time coach like Brian Kelly to come to LSU, and now they want LSU to be good. So the preseason ranking is going to be based off their recruiting class or the transfer portal. So that gets them a six or something like that. Alabama is always going to be one, two, or three. Georgia is going to be one, two, or three. So they start all. They all start off the year. Auburn will be twelve. Mississippi State to be sixteen. You know they they'll put like five or six or seven SEC schools in the top twenty-five. Not top 25 talent, but every single year they're always loaded. And if you're at if if you put Florida at eight based off the transfer portal and they play their first game against Utah, or they, they play the game against Utah and they lose, Utah's probably not gonna be ranked higher than 16, maybe 14 coming. Maybe maybe you get Utah at 10, then you got Florida at eight. So Utah beats Florida. Florida go from eight to 12 and then they'll get their cupcake run. And then they'll move up up to seven. Yeah. Every time a big 10 team loses, they'll fall out of the top 10. Florida moves up two spots. Cincinnati wins, but it's like, Oh, Cincinnati beat Akron. But this impressive win over Vanderbilt, another tough sec opponent moves, you know, Florida back up to six. Now they're already back up to six. Especially if, and if Utah stays, if Utah goes on a run, now like, oh, they got beat by a team that's ranked number four in the country. And, 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 that's why. Them up. and then as soon as Utah loses two games in a row, they just keep moving Florida up. They're like, oh, well, you know, they beat this team now. And they'll just shoot. Then, then they'll, they'll say it was the first game of the season and they were trying to figure it out. Or if it's they a bowl just, game, they, they didn't want to be there. Quarterback to the NFL draft. And, you know, this guy's going to get them, blah, blah, blah. And like, or LSU, you know, Brian Kelly is a great coach. He's going to get them on track, and then they'll get, like, a little win over Tennessee, who doesn't have their starting quarterback. Yeah, but so then that's going to upset. So, you know, so, so it's like – So that's why, like, with the playoff so – that, so that's why with the playoff, the money is big, you know, and the SEC is going to get the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? Like, if you're choosing between a 10-2 and two or a 9-3 SEC team and a 9-3 somebody else, you know, 9-10, you're going to put the SEC team in. And it becomes the SEC invitational. The only way a nine if if Colorado's nine and three and Ole Miss is nine and three, maybe I would say they get Colorado in because Dion is marketable. You can sell maybe. that game. Maybe, yeah. Um, but Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss marketable. So you can you can you can sell. So it's just it's a lot of people are just kind of lot not people a lot of the the SEC schools are riding the the coattails the coattails of their upper echelon talent right. cuz if you think about Texas A&M they had you know third or fourth ranked recruiting class at Nick Saban talking about he bought all their players and then they just completely fall off the map one year 
and it, you know, six, they, I think they had a terrible record last year. Yeah. They're going to make a turnaround because everyone likes Jimbo Fisher. But you know, it just they're, they're going to be justifications, rationalize, like even with the NFL draft, we talk about it. You know, one guy may be undersized, but he played here. And if you can play here, you can make it anywhere. But if another guy who is 6'5, 265, but it doesn't look like that on tape, it just, it's just a matter of like, who, what do you want to justify? Do you want to justify the tape or do you want to justify the potential? Mm-hmm. It's, it's with the SEC, it's, it's the history. Dick almost completely dictating the future of how everything is draped out. And then so why can't have, the ACC be good? Well, because they don't have a team, they don't have one or two teams that can consistently compete with the Big Ten has Michigan, Ohio State. They're gonna be good. They get most of the if there's if there's 35 stars in the Big Ten, Mich- Michigan gets eight. Ohio State gets 10, and then the other teams get to divvy up the remaining 12. Uh, if Virginia Tech and North Carolina were good every year, or Clemson got back to it, where but Clemson also needs another ACC school to be good. You need in the Big 12, you needed Texas and Oklahoma to be good. You need them to be top. You need USC, maybe Oregon, or USC, Utah. You need a couple of teams that consistently every year are at the top of the conference and the country. SEC has that. They have LSU, Georgia, Alabama. They are the best teams in that conference without a doubt. And then that, as you take them to the gladiator rounds, they are those two or three teams are the among the better teams in the country. Mm-hmm. That's why the ACC just can't. They need to get. They need Miami needs like they they need a juggernaut to, you know, they need a Phoenix to rise from the ashes. Mm-hmm. And that once we like I said, when we get to these twelves, these twelve teams, if they don't put a cap on how many, if there's no cap, you're gonna have. I mean, if we could if we could pull up the records right now of the SEC schools, you would have had. You would have had Georgia, let's see, Alabama, Tennessee, Tennessee. Uh huh. Yeah. So 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 Georgia was fifteen. They finished fifteen and zero. So regular season they were uh, twelve and zero. Then won the SEC title game. Tennessee was ten and two. Um, and then in the West, uh, Bama was ten and two. But they didn't go to the SEC title game because they lost to LSU head to head, and then LSU finished ten and three before they lost to uh, or ten and two, and then they lost to Georgia. Yeah, so all four of those teams would have been in your twelve mm-hmm. because the Alabama argument, because Alabama, like Nick Saban, pretty was on TV saying. Mm-hmm. We lost on last second plays in two games. Twice. Mm-hmm. Twice. So we lost. So that gets him in with 12. He almost still got in with four. So he's there. Alabama's definitely in with 12 teams. LSU at 10 and 2, they're in. Obviously, Georgia's in and Tennessee's in. So that's four spots. Right, right, right. Because 
Maybe then, you get Utah in because they won the Pac-12. Yeah, and then Michigan and Michigan. I mean, Michigan and Ohio State would have got okay. in. So that that's eight. So we had Michigan, Ohio State, Utah, USC, and four SEC schools. So we're already at eight. Then you got your uh, your Power Five. I mean, I'm sorry, your G five. You know, so like your best G five champion. That's probably yeah. always going to be eleven. But they or would have. They have to have eleven or twelve wins, right? One loss. Like right. They have double digit wins. One loss. Eleven and two, maybe, or something in one. Like they they can't have. They definitely can't have three losses. But you know, so soon. So I think that's that's part of the eight. Is like. Because we're going to get, if we get four schools in, we're going to get 20, like, hold on, 33% of that $1.9 billion coming to the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so like I said, you got what? Those four, you got um, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, you got some, one of Clemson, Florida State. You know, yeah, so that gets, that, that gets you to seven. You got your G5, gets you to eight. You got Utah that won the Pac 12. So that gets you so to eight. Pac 12, but they beat USC twice. But USC yep. has the top ranked player in, in the next, the upcoming draft. So he's in, coupled with SC has, USC has the, uh, the coach and Lincoln Riley. You would have had K State as the Big Twelve champion. Uh, you probably still would have got TCU in last year. TCU in, you know, but the Big Twelve probably won't get two teams in consistently. And then you got another wild card spot that maybe last year it would have went to Penn State because they had the two losses that were only to Michigan or Ohio State. Yeah, so it's gonna be you know the Power Five is gonna get. You know, granted, they're going to fill it out. There's going to be, like I said, four SEC schools, three Big Ten, a couple of Pac-12. But the Pac-12, it'd have to be a situation where the lesser team beat the top team, like Utah beating right. USC. And you can't get you, – you can't put USC in to the 12 if Utah beat them twice. And twice – but you want USC in because they're going to travel. And you yeah, they're got the to Utah in because they're the Pac-12 champion. Right. So it's it's going to be it's going to be so many layers. Yeah, cuz last year was weird. It. Last year was weird. You had Utah, Oregon, USC and Washington like gobbled up trying to get into that Pac-12 title game. And Washington would have got in if they had probably lost to anybody other than losing to Arizona. You know, yeah, and then they and then they went away from the North and South champion because I think they were trying to they're divisionless, yeah. Yeah, because they were trying to get USC mm-hmm. into the into the Cosmo playoff. Yeah, so that's the wave of the future now. Um divisions are gonna go away. Um, you know, just about every power five conference. I know the Big Ten is experimenting with it. I think the SEC is keeping it for this year, but then going forward. They they won't have it. The ACC won't have, have the it. Conference like you are. You already have the conference. 
just just play it out like you already like you already have it is like there's no need to add more nuance because what happens is you'll get a championship game where i remember the you know growing up as a virginia tech fan and i used to work with a florida state fan and you know you probably know which game i'm talking about we had marcus vick Mm-hmm. And they were primed to go to the Orange Bowl, mm-hmm. and Florida State came in at seven and five yeah. and beat the twelve and zero Virginia Tech Hokies, and ended up going to this bowl game and losing, and finished their season eight and six. Yeah, rest but in they peace. They were in the BCS bowl game. Rest in peace, Bobby Bowden, but he killed Florida State with his son as the offensive coordinator. Nepotism, man. Yeah, nepotism. But then he had, but then he had the one son that went undefeated at Auburn, you know. But he, uh, Auburn was on some kind of bowl ban, so you know they couldn't do anything. I remember Urban Meyer and Ohio State were in the bowl ban, but yeah. Speaking of which, you know, I'm interested in that documentary. You know, Swamp Kings. You know, that should be pretty interesting. <laughs> Come on, man! You, you know, got some killers on there. Tim Tebow. Yeah. Led by a preacher, you know, per- Percy Harvin. So, like, after this documentary, you know, saying like, if if, twins. If, if, if if Urban Meyer wanted a job, he probably ain't getting it after this documentary. Yeah, or, or maybe they're gonna be like, man, you dealt with all that. You are the perfect man to run our organization. Maybe, maybe. But, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of show where something happened in the sports world. That me and Raph need to address. Like, so, you know, coming into the show, I didn't have anything until like literally right before I hit the record button. <laughs> what you got? All right. So, Ed O'Bannon, you know, many, many, many years ago, found himself in Coach K basketball and threw a fit because he didn't get paid for it. I understand it. Capitalism. I'm with it. You know, I'm you're using my likeness. Pay me. You know, so then that caused us to lose out on NCAA football. You know, last one came out in 2013. So we're 10 years post NCAA 13. And the basketball game, the 2K game, uh, 2K8 was the last one. Best basketball video game ever. You know, and then uh, March Madness, a.k.a. NCAA basketball stopped after 2010. So that was Ed O'Bannon that did that to us, you know what I mean? But but okay, rightfully so, rightfully so. But you know, I still, you know, it is what it is. So now, next year, fast forward, we got EA Sports working on another college football game to end the drought. So then, talking to On Three Sports, General Booty, quarterback at Oklahoma. Mentioned the worst name. <laughs> hey, I know John David Booty was much better. But yeah. uh, but you know he uh went on and talked about how players might hold out because if they're trying to pay all the players two hundred bucks for their likeness, that's not good enough, you know. So there's a chance that his team were having conversations about should we hold out if that's what happens, and then Jalen Daniels from Kansas jumped in and said like I agree with that because you know if you're somebody like a USC fan. You buying that game to play with Caleb Williams. You're not buying that game to play with number three or number five or whatever. You know, like you don't want no, you know, because they'll probably just have his number, his height, 
his weight, but it didn't be a white dude or something like that, you know? So he don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want authenticity and integrity because those are the principles that I try to live by, <laughs> you know? So I say that to say NIL is a thing now. So you're already being paid for your name, imaging, and like this. And we talked about the hypocrisy where people like Dabo Sweeney are out here banging on the players because they're getting paid now. Some coaches have stepped down. Like I said, Roy Williams and Jay Wright from Villanova maybe stepped down because they don't want to coach in this era of college basketball while NIL exists. All I'm saying is, dudes, don't hold out over a video game. You know, hold out because your teammate broke his leg and they took his scholarship. You know, hold out because they didn't let you unionize. Let the fans have our video game back. And I know that's selfish of me. I know that's selfish of me. But I am who I am, baby. I just had to get that off my chest because I want my college football. They already delayed it a year. It was supposed to come out this year, like next month. It was, it was mad fun. Yeah. It was fun. I liked it better than Madden. You know, so and now, you know, it got delayed until next year. Just give me what I want. I used to play. I uh, I created a player, played with Utah, and I was like Heisman Trophy quarterback every year. And it was simulate, and I'd play. I played when, like, it was he was on the field. And at the end of the year, Utah would be three when play for the national championship. Yeah, even on the video best. game, even on the video game, I would play outstanding football, undefeated football every. And I was like, I'd play this. I played this mode with like I was building, build up my player. Never got a national championship shot. Won the Heisman, won all the awards, had the trophy case full. Well, you know, we got the mods Never. now. We got the mods now, so you can get the fourteen <laughs> and everything. But, but you know, but yeah, just give me my game back, you know, because I miss it. You know, I, I miss it. But the floor is yours. Well, like I mean, like for me, I really haven't gotten. You know, I really have much. The only thing I did see because we talked about the the show Undisputed, kind of, you know. The, the fallout and the, the buyout and everything else. And, and we, we try to run down a list of p- people we thought were going to be good, viable candidates. And we pretty much said no to anything. But then I saw an article that LaShawn McCoy was coming out as a potential replacement. And for me, I don't like it because it just makes it, it, it takes away from what you're supposed to do on your show. Your show is supposed to talk about sports and give proper analysis of sports. And really all they do is just scream about hypothetical stuff. It's like, I listened to, I've watched, you know, watched LaShawn McCoy. He's been on different podcasts. I like his personality. I think people, I think people rock with him, but I haven't heard him give like, like real sports analysis. So it'll just be him and Skip just sitting across from each other yelling random stuff. Coupled with the fact that Shannon is leaving because Skip has complete control. It's like, McCoy, Shady, what are you doing? Like, what do you think you're going to get the same rise as Shannon? 
I don't know if your personality, like it takes a lot to like have that kind of impact on people to the point where people want to watch you when they have a plethora of options. Like there's so many options to, for sports or just TV in general for you to be good enough for Shannon to have his podcast and everything that he goes on, he goes on other people's podcasts, like, you know, all the smoke and everything else. It just doesn't seem like a wise move unless it's just a money thing. Like, I don't know how much money he's getting on speak, but if he's going to get a pay raise, so yeah, go sit with Skip. Just know that your show isn't going to get better if the same guy is calling all the shots. So you're literally just going from a show that you went from speak for yourself that's gone through multiple hosts and it's not gotten better. Every single time there's a new change, it doesn't get better. It loses an audience, a chunk of the audience every single time. Either come up with your own idea and run with that and let the money come to you. But stop chasing this money because that show is whack. Undisputed <laughs> is whack. Speak, I can't watch. It's just they're just not good. They're not good shows. Yo, and he it's he, like the view. Like, I'm not fronting, but I'm like, I'm not watching the view or the dish or anything. It's like, what are y'all talking about? Like, why is it just four people up here just screaming back and forth? And, you know, and like, he's not even a hall of fame. Two more people here, and we're just yelling. And we're just yelling hypothetical stuff, like, oh, you mean to tell me if you put LeBron James in 1996, the Bulls still won 72 games? It's like no, you you we can't argue that. Like there's nothing we can do about that. Like, but that's the kind of stuff you're gonna have with Skip. Dallas Cowboy conversation. Tom Tom Brady's retired and is a part owner of the Raiders, and they're gonna talk about him potentially coming out of the owner's box and suiting up for the Raiders because Jimmy Garoppolo's foot. I'm like, okay, yeah, you can want that, but realistically, is he gonna do that? No. So talk about something that's gonna be real. Like, well, talk about the actual injury that Jimmy Garoppolo has. But instead, you're gonna talk about the same thing. Every single week, Jimmy Garoppolo goes 0-2 in Vegas. You're going to talk about Tom Brady. The Cowboys go 1-2 and in the first three weeks. Mike McCarthy does he deserve to get fired. And that's what's going to be your whole conversation. And you're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes. Like, I don't really think he's done that much in the league because he's going to have the same talking points that he had last year. Nothing will be different. You're just going to waste your time. So say no to that and go join Mason Cameron and their podcast where you can talk reckless and be funny. Because that's good. At least that's authentic. But don't join Skip. It's a bad idea. I mean, I'm not trying to tell you what to do with your money, but you're you're joining a show that literally will lose audience members. Yeah, he better watch his mouth because he ain't even a Hall of Famer. You know what I'm saying? Skip already made it known he don't care about Shannon being a Hall of Famer. What are you going to do to Shady? But Shady's going to talk about how great Tom Brady was in that Super Bowl run, and that's going to be enough. Uh, and he's going to say something like Tom Brady. Oh, the way Tom Brady commanded that Super Bowl, you know, I can't put Patrick Mahomes above him, blah, blah, blah. blah and he's going to love, Skip's going to love him. And it's going to be this sad, boring love affair show with no pungent, no tangible analysis. It's yeah. just going to be repugnant talking points that get regurgitated <laughs> day after day after day, taking shots at the enemy. Just, it just, I don't know. Maybe it's a perfect match, but uh, it definitely it won't be good. And you can tag him in this. It won't be good. I'll book it. It won't be good. For sure. But you know what is good is fellowshipping with my guy, Mr. Logical. 
I'm about to get up out of here, y'all, because as y'all can tell, I'm not feeling the greatest. And mama done got some meatloaf going. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so before I take this Dama tap or some tussin, you know what I'm saying? I got to get this belly filled so I can get some rest. So thanks for listening to us. Thank you for all the support. Like, subscribe, give us reviews, email us, all that good stuff. It's free. One star to five stars. It's all free. We are here for you. This is your show. You know, we're just merely the bodies that present the analysis. So, Mr. Logical, what you got? Send us off. Listen, like I said, once again, reiterating the, the proper talking points. Thank everybody for listening. Uh, like I said, man, you can hit us up anytime. We're trying to keep this movement going. I'll uh, say two episodes a week. Uh, you know, just like I said, we appreciate everybody watching on YouTube, making your comments. People hitting me up directly, hitting us up directly, tagging us and stuff. You know, it's it's, it's it's all great you know we appreciate all of it we do it for we do it for the love of the conversation so any talking points you guys have that you think we haven't covered if we cover something too much and you want us to switch it up let us know like we're always on the search for topics i'm sorry y'all i'm sorry i'm, I'm sick today but you know i did it for you and he toughed out three y'all hours said. so i said we had an hour pre-meeting you know this is this is a process yeah, because I love y'all. Hitting the mute button. That's what a bebop, a bebop, a Scooby Doo. But guess what? America, we love you. We out. Peace. <laughs>